I'm Susan Shapa with RNS Shapa Farms in Lubbock, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. It is great to have you along for another edition of Texas Ag Today. All you've got to do is jump on in with me and buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, cotton harvest is starting to crank up in West Texas and the Panhandle. And wheat planting is ahead of schedule all across the state. We'll have more on that coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Carrie Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the Piney Woods of East Texas to the Rocky Ranges of the Trans-Pecos. And from the Panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. Texas High Plains Congressman Ronnie Jackson believes U.S. agricultural trade needs to become much more diversified. I'm James Hunt, and you'll hear from the congressman on Texas Ag Today. A rising gross domestic product and population in Africa are creating a larger potential market for U.S. red meat into many African countries. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have a report on the popularity of U.S. variety meats in Africa on Texas Ag Today. Central Texas Blacklands finally received some measurable rainfall. This is Dr. Shane McClellan, and I'll have more from Waco. We'll have those stories, plus Texas wildlife news, and a complete look at the markets all coming up. Cotton harvest continues to creep forward here in Texas as farmers on the southern plains and the panhandle are getting their harvest underway now. The latest crop progress and condition report shows 41% of the Texas cotton crop now harvested. That is four points ahead of the five-year average pace. Wheat planting here in Texas also ahead of the average pace, 75% of the wheat now in the ground. The five-year average is 69%. In Archer County, which is just south of Wichita Falls, farmers there are even more ahead. Archer County agent Joshua Smart says they have about 85% of their crop planted now, but it doesn't look all that great. Oh, we, we need a lot of rain. So I think if we could get some more, I think a lot more of it would come up. The stuff that did come up from the early plantings is looking pretty decent. Think any of this we're going to have to replant? Is it just a lost cause until we get rain? Uh, I'm not sure yet. I hadn't talked to enough producers to really say whether or not they're going to have to replant. So hopefully they don't, but usually somebody has to somewhere. Archer County is home to almost 10% of Texas dairy farms, and they depend heavily on wheat. A lot of these dairies utilize wheat silage and wheat hay. Uh, to feed throughout the year, and our wheat loss was pretty significant this year. So that really kind of hurt us. Uh, I know a lot of these dairies are actually hauling in quite a bit of feed from different areas, trying to get their silage and stuff up for the ones that didn't have it uh, in storage for 2022. Looking at harvest progress on a few other crops here in Texas, corn harvest now 93% complete, soybean harvest 72% done, And peanut harvest, well ahead of schedule at 42%. The five-year average pace is only 29%. 
Midterm elections are just two weeks away, and ag groups like the National Cattlemen's Beef Association are laser-focused on the possible impacts on their industry. NCBA Vice President Ethan Lane predicts that heading into a new farm bill, Democrats will continue to put urban members on the House Ag Committee. Districts that are focused more on on food assistance programs, SNAP, things like that, uh, that's going to be their priority going into that farm bill process. Um, we've already seen that a little bit with people like Marcy Captor from Toledo, Ohio, returning to the to the Ag Committee. But Lane says everything will come down to the agenda, what's allowed to move forward, especially if the majority changes. On other issues like cattle marketing reform. We do expect um, some of the proponents of bills like Fisher-Grassley and things like that to once again try to run at those, those pieces of legislation. That's going to also be uh, in the mix with things like uh, you know the SAFE Act. Ethan Lane with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Exports are important to the prosperity of agriculture. James Hunt says a Texas panhandle congressman agrees. Everyone in agriculture knows that exports are important to the prosperity of our producers. Congressman Ronnie Jackson, whose 13th congressional district encompasses much of the Texas High Plains, agrees. But Jackson is concerned about how much of our current agricultural trade is concentrated on the Chinese market. Right now we're in a situation where I really feel like in the next two years that China's going to make a big move on Taiwan. And when China makes a move on Taiwan, what happens? You can see what happened with the Russia-Ukraine thing. The answer was sanctions, lots of sanctions. So the first instinct from the entire world community is going to be to sanction China heavily, right? When they start sanctioning China, what's going to happen to our beef exports? It's going to drop like a rock. So we have to be going out right now. We should be aggressively looking at alternative markets. We should be looking at Africa, at uh, Southeast Asia, at places like that. And we should be uh, you know, working on uh, free trade agreements with these countries. Now, the Biden administration said when he came into office, President Biden said he would not sign any free trade agreements. He was not going to do that at all. Free trade agreements were off the table. That's a big problem for us because we need to be working on individual free trade agreements with some of these countries with the ag industry in mind. So we have alternative markets. So when something bad happens, like China uh, making a move on Taiwan, we're in a position that we don't, uh, our ag industry doesn't get completely devastated. Congressman Jackson had the opportunity to strengthen his knowledge of global affairs, particularly in the Indo-Pacific region, by participating in a recent congressional trip to several countries, including Taiwan, Japan, Australia, and the Samoan Islands. I interviewed Congressman Jackson after he met with local Texas Farm Bureau leaders Monday night in Amarillo. And we'll have more from him in tomorrow's report as we get the congressman's views on the writing of the next farm bill. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. And speaking of exports, Africa is becoming an important market for U.S. red meat production. Tom Nicoletti checks in with the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Promotional programs in African countries are advertising U.S. red meat as a nutritional source of protein for consumers. On this subject, I have visited with Matt Copeland, the African representative for the U.S. Meat Export Federation, who is based in Durban, South Africa. What is U.S. SEMIF doing to create awareness uh, in educating customers in Africa about the food supply that uh, is available from the United States? Yeah, sure. So we run promotions in physical retail outlets. We run promotions. Online shopping has taken off as well. We have uh, something called the meeting room, which is for industry, 
which is really a micro restaurant for commercial kitchen to host all of industry, to host all the hoteliers, restaurateurs, all the big importers, retailers, take them through, in often cases, their first experience of a really delicious, prime, highly marbled USDA steak. And in that respect, I have one of the greatest privileges seeing people eat these products for the first time. It's really remarkable. And it's fantastic. Other things that we do in terms of the variety meat space, we have awesome stories around nutritional elements and values as well as the food safety around the way american food is produced some of the highest food handling safety standards in the world and we need more of that obviously i think traditionally our minds think of africa we see some ugly wet markets it's not all like that we see an evolution of european retailers all over the continent um, and we see the standards just becoming higher and higher but what you can be guaranteed is if it's american origin that that product's been produced in a brilliant safe way and we're telling our consumers all over the place of just what a great job the industry does. That is Matt Copeland. He is the Africa representative for the U.S. Meat Export Federation. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The Central Texas Blacklands have finally received some much-needed rainfall. Dr. Shane McClellan has an update from Waco. Not everyone received rain in the last storm system that moved through with the cold front, but much of our area did receive a good rain. There have been many storm systems that have built up, headed to Central Texas, and moved around us. But this last system moved through our area and did provide anywhere from a trace to 1.5 inches of moisture. For most of us, it could not have rained any better. A one-inch rain during the day, and then later on during the night, another half an inch of rain. As dry as we are, the chance of runoff is very high. The ground is so hard that moisture is not readily absorbed. Water will puddle and then move off of an area as it lands on it. So what we really needed, it was a slow soaking rain to allow that moisture to soak into that soil profile. And that's exactly what we received in that last rainfall event. Many of us in Central Texas are still 15 to 17 inches below our normal rainfall after this rain. Uh, when you look back for the last 365 days, stock tanks remain low. Stock tanks, rivers, lakes, they all need a large runoff type rain, large volumes of water to recharge. The rain will be enough for uh, our cool season annuals to germinate, as well as for oats that was planted for grazing. Uh, Many of our fields have been just kind of dusted in with oats, just waiting for a rain, and this will be enough to get them up. However, we are going to need some additional rain and soon to allow for those emerged grazing fields to actively grow. Cooler season this time of year, we expect the the soil profile to be damper, a little bit cooler, and it won't dry out as fast as it it would if it was hot. Still, we need some multiple uh, rainfall events to help us just get over this dry condition that we're currently in. Small grain producers that have been waiting to plant, we'll start doing that when fields dry out. Many have said they're going to wait till late October, hope for some moisture, now we have that. And we're really hoping for a better wheat growing season than we had last year. Last year's wheat crop received less than eight inches of rain. A lot of them received six to seven inches during the entire growing season from October through May. And we typically would see 15 to 19 inches during that time. Uh, We need more than seven to eight inches to grow wheat in our area. Livestock producers that haven't slung ryegrass will start putting that out uh, when they can get out into those pastures. A frost should be on everyone's mind. Typically, I expect a hard killing frost about mid-November. But any time this time of year, we can have a hard frost that can set back your plants. So don't forget to bring those sensitive plants indoors. Until next time, this has been Dr. Shane McLellan from Waco for Texas Ag Today. It is National Bat Week. I'm Jessica Domel, and I'll have more coming up on Texas Ag Today. And hoof problems are very common in horses. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Texas Farm Bureau has served farm families in rural Texas for nearly 90 years. We're pleased to offer new affordable health care coverage choices for all Texans through Texas Farm Bureau health plans. You do not need to be a member to inquire and apply. Plans are available anytime. There is no open enrollment period. Our United Healthcare Choice Plus network of providers is one of the largest available. For more information about the different plans, how to apply, or to get a quote for you, your family, or your small business, call 833-TX-HEALTH or visit 833-TXHEALTH.com. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Hoof problems are very common in horses. Dr. Bob Judd says many of these problems require x-rays to be diagnosed correctly. Most farriers do a great job, but regardless of their ability, they do not have x-ray vision and cannot see inside the hoof capsule. Farriers are asked to treat many conditions that are suspected or even previously diagnosed that are impossible to treat correctly without x-rays. Without x-rays, you're requiring your farrier to guess at the sole depth and the location and confirmation of the coffin bone. Without knowing these parameters, it is impossible to know how long to trim the toe and how to trim the hoof to align the coffin bone properly. This is not to say every horse needs x-rays prior to being trimmed, as that is certainly not the case. However, if your hoof has a hoof problem, x-rays can help the farrier do a better job. One of the situations in which x-rays are critical is a horse with laminitis or founder. In this disease, the coffin bone inside the hoof wall actually moves, and so the trim cannot be performed correctly without knowing the location of the bone. Some farriers will try to treat these cases without x-rays, possibly because owners do not want to spend the money on x-rays. However, this is one instance that your horse will suffer without x-rays, regardless of the experience or skill of the farrier. Also, many horses with laminitis have thin soles, and the thickness of the sole must be known to trim and shoe the horse correctly. Correct trimming is the basis of the treatment of laminitis. So at least baseline x-rays are required, and in chronic cases of laminitis, we usually recheck the horses in three to six months to make sure the trimming is correct. X-rays can even be helpful in trimming normal horses, as many horses' toes are not trimmed short enough by farriers, and x-rays pinpoint the exact location for trimming the toe. I'm veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd. This is the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. It's the week before Halloween, and that means it's National Bat Week. Jessica Domel takes a look at the benefits of bats in today's wildlife report. It is National Bat Week, and to celebrate, we're joined by USDA's Rod Bain and Roger Perry of the U.S. Forest Service to discuss the benefits of bats. Here's Roger. Bats are one of the few nocturnal insect consumers. Significant effects on agriculture and forestry by reducing insect populations. They reduce mosquitoes at night. Not to mention the role bats play as pollinators in some habitats. Held the last week of October, Bat Week offers education and advice to support bat populations. One way to help, according to Roger Perry, is construct 
a bat house. There are plans available online for building bat houses, or you can buy a bat house from your local hardware store to put up to provide roosting habitat for them in the summertime. Also, people should be mindful of where bats usually reside and try not to disturb them if at all possible. A lot of them roost in old abandoned buildings and houses and things like this and trying to maintain those populations as long as they're not creating a nuisance for the homeowner, not trying to remove them unless it's necessary. More information about Bat Week 2023 including some of the events centered around Bat Week between October 24th and 31st, can be found online at www.batweek.org. Again, that is batweek.org. That report from USDA's Rod Bain featuring Roger Perry of the U.S. Forest Service. Bat Week runs through October 31st. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. The strength in the cattle market continued Wednesday, but we saw the cotton market trade all over the place. We'll take a closer look at Wednesday's livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. Parenting is full of surprises. You never know what to expect. So after our son was born, I called my Texas Farm Bureau insurance agent to set up a life insurance policy in case something happened to me. Sawyer is now two. And we'll soon have a sister. There's no one else I would trust with protecting my family. Visit Texas Farm Bureau Insurance today at tfbinsurance.com for an agent you can trust with life's most important decisions. Coverage and discounts are subject to qualifications and policy terms and may vary by situation. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. The strength in the cattle market continued on Wednesday. We finished higher on all except the nearby contracts. Of course, those are lightly traded contracts getting ready to go off the board here at the end of October. October live cattle were down 22, 151.45, but just about everything else finishing higher with December up 27, 153.57. The February live cattle contract up 32 cents to close at 157.02. Same thing on the feeders. Nearby October was lower, down 17 cents, 176.42. Everything else finishing higher with November feeder cattle up 90 cents, 178.82. With January feeder cattle up a dollar. 181.25. The cash fed cattle trade quiet so far this week. We haven't seen any sales to report except for one pen up in Iowa. It sold at 153. Down here in the south, it's been quiet. The feedlots are asking mainly 152. Boxed beef was mixed on Wednesday. Choice down 70 cents at 260.73. Select up 208 at 229.43. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. We're with Riley Rhodes, Live Oak Livestock, Three Rivers. He sells them every Monday. Riley, how many noses did you count? Had a good sale, Larry. Um, I thought everything sold pretty much uh, steady with last week. Uh, some of the better cattle, uh, some of the better grazing cattle front end might have been two to four higher, uh, but pretty much a steady market, which is good news. We've had you know, four, about four weeks of uh, a downtrend, so I was glad to see it kind of level off. Uh, some pairs, not many not many stocker cows this week. I uh, did have a few pairs, 800 to 1,400. Some bred cows from 675 to 1175. 
uh, uh, Packer cows sold steady, 68 to 76 on your uh, high-yielding cows. Looks like the breakers, might have, they might have taken a few dollars off, uh, 62 to 68 on your breakers, canners, 20 to 48. Packer bulls, uh, same story there, about steady, 90 to 96 on your high-yielding bulls, uh, 66 to 90 on your low to medium-yielding bulls. Two to three weight toy steers, 164 to 212. Heifer mates, 138 to 162. Uh, three to four weight choice steers, 152 to 184. Heifer mates, 136 to 152. Four to five weight choice steers, 144 to 176. Heifer mates, 136 to 152. Five to six weight choice steers, 146 to 170. Heifer mates, 130 to 148. Uh, six to seven weight choice steers, 140 to 154. Heifer mates, 130 to 144. And the seven to eight weight cattle, your choice steers, 128 to 148. And the heifer mates, 126 to 142. So I was pleased with it. Uh, you know, we had a couple of are really good calves here today, and those were those sold real well. And uh, again, you know, the crossbreds, the in-betweens are uh, obviously harder to place this time of the year. Um, you know, there's a pretty big uh, price difference between the top and bottom. But um, got along good, you know, pretty much steady with what it was last week. Tell everybody how to get a hold of you, Riley. 361-813-6650 is the cell. 361-786-2553 is the office. LiveOakLivestock.com is the web. We appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Larry. Neighbor, that's our Livestock Auction Market Report. We'll see you next time right here as we walk the pens. I'm Larry Marble for Texas Ag Today. Thank you, Larry. Now we'll jump back over to the futures market where lean hogs finished higher in Wednesday's trade. December hogs up a nickel, 88.50. February hogs up 32 at $91 even. Class 3 milk was mixed with the nearby October up 6 cents, 21.84. November milk down 38 at 20.47, 100 weight. The cotton market traded all over the place in Wednesday's trade. We were sharply higher at one point, but headed lower as we moved toward the close. That's how we finished it out, with December cotton down 65 points, 77.82. March cotton down 56 at 77.38. December 23 cotton down 63 at 73.05. The corn market has moved mostly sideways over the last couple of weeks. That seems to be the case in Wednesday's trade. Of course, we've got the harvest full swing up in the corn belt, and the weather looks pretty good for harvesting up there, so that tends to keep a lid on any price gains. We close with December corn down one and a quarter, 685 a bushel. March corn down one and three quarters at 690 and a half. The Russia-Ukraine war continues to keep the wheat market on its toes and keep a floor under prices. We finished higher on both hard and soft wheat in Wednesday's trade. December Kansas City wheat up six and a quarter at nine forty and three quarters. December Chicago wheat up five and three quarters at eight forty and a half. In the energy markets, November natural gas up a nickel to close at five sixty-seven. December crude oil up two eighty-one, eighty-eight thirteen a barrel. The financial markets narrowly mixed Wednesday afternoon. The Dow up two points at 31,839. The NASDAQ down 228, 10,970. The S&P down 28 points at 3,830. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. My name's Kerry Martin. Hope to see you back here next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the U.S. of A., Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.